tidings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Good Tidings radio broadcast. I am your radio pastor and Bible teacher, Dr. David Pinkerton, accompanied today by my lovely wife, Dorinda, here in the studios of WXAN Radio here in Ava, Illinois. We're so grateful that you are tuned in today. If you're whether you're listening to us over the radio at 103.9 FM regionally or if you're listening to us over the internet at wxanradio.com, we're glad that you're tuned in today. Thank you very much. It's been um quite a week. It's been a very blessed week. It's been a very busy week that we, Dorinda and I have had, and uh, we're seeing the hand of God work within our life, in our family, I mean, Brett's life, and in our ministry, and we're just grateful today for many, many, many blessings of God, and uh, looking forward to what God also has for us in the future. But one of those blessings is to be part of the WXAN radio ministry here. We're so grateful. You hear me say it all the time, but I'm very grateful for Brother Danny and Leanne and Will and Melody and the good folks here. Dorinda and I are glad to be a a small part of this ministry team here, exalting Jesus Christ, preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Good Tidings radio broadcast is really all about three things. There's a threefold effect here. And the first one is to glorify Jesus Christ in everything we do. The second fold of the Good Tidings radio broadcast is to evangelize the lost. And the third is to edify or strengthen the believer. So that's what we're here to do today. And we want you to open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to take some text verses out of verse 35 and verse 36. But before we do, we've got a shout out today. Uh, We want to give a shout out to some new listeners, first time listeners, actually some family members of ours, ours up in the St. Louis, Missouri area, and that is John and Connie Stinson. We want to say, John and Connie, it was good to see you guys the other day, Wednesday. So thanks for listening. Tell your friends about WXANradio.com, and when they pull up the page, they can click on Listen Live, and we'll be more than honored to have them as listeners. So We are grateful today to have all of you tuned in. So thanks, everybody. Let's go to Matthew chapter number nine. Here we are in the month of March. Isn't it exciting? The second day of March in the year of our Lord, 2024. So Matthew chapter number nine, verse number 35 and 36 will constitute our text and message today. So in Matthew chapter nine, verse number 35 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So let's back up to verse 35 and 36, and I want to speak this morning on the compassion of Jesus Christ. Now, you've heard me say it often, and it's so true. I love to quote Jesus, love to preach and teach about Jesus, love to exalt Jesus Christ, glorify him, and point the world to Jesus. He is the one that does have all the answers. 
But we want to deal with this subject today of compassion, the compassion of Jesus Christ. You know, these two verses, verse 35 and 36 of Matthew chapter number 9, they are some of the most powerful verses in the New Testament. And they do more to describe the ministry of our Lord Jesus, of his 33 and a half years of life, in his three and a half years of ministry, folks, he had labored among the people of that day. So he had a threefold ministry. You heard us say a while ago that the Good Tidings radio broadcast also has a threefold ministry. Well, that is because we've patterned our ministry, tried to, after Jesus Christ in the terms of having a threefold ministry. But Jesus' ministry was threefold. Let me share that with you quickly. In Matthew 9, 35 and 36, it reveals to us the threefold ministry. The first portion of Jesus' ministry was he had a teaching ministry. Verse 35 tells us again, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching. But he went about the villages and the synagogues doing what? Teaching in their synagogues. Now, if you want to know what Jesus taught, I'm going to back up a couple pages here to Matthew chapter number 5. All of you Bible students are going to know, and if you're a new believer, you'll want to know that Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7 was Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he did a lot of teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Well, in Matthew chapter number 5, verses 1 through 12, listen to what he has to say. And this is in reference to his teaching ministry. Matthew 5 and verse 1. And seeing the multitudes... He went about into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my sake. And verse 12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So we see Jesus had a teaching ministry in Matthew chapter number 5, verses 1 through 12. Second part of his ministry was a preaching ministry. Listen to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 again. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So the second part of Jesus' ministry was a preaching ministry. Now, if you'll back up again to Matthew chapter number 4, go to Matthew chapter number 4, look at verse number 17. You'll find out where Jesus had a preaching ministry. In verse 17 of Matthew 4, And from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 9 quickly. So we see Jesus has a teaching ministry. He has a preaching ministry. But he also, third part of his ministry is a healing ministry. Now look again at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. 
where we see the third fold of his ministry. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, folks, Jesus is the healer. He still is the healer today. I want to make sure and preface of what I'm about to say. God does all healing, all healing of your soul, all healing of your spirit, your soul, which is your emotions and your body, your physical body comes from God. God uses people. God does use ministers and Christians. He, because of faith in him through the teaching of his word and the total reliability of the authority of the Holy Bible, God heals when he tells us in the scripture how to apply the oil and how to pray. So God does all the healing, though, because he gets all the glory. The people on television who are misleading people in thinking that they have this special gift of healing is misinformation according to a false interpretation of the scripture. God does all the healing We can do the applying of the scripture and the applying of the oil, but all healing is done to him so that Jesus gets all the glory, not someone who's trying to build people out of money and having you send in to a large ministry. God does the healing. So Jesus had a healing ministry. Now in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, notice what it says about Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So we see a threefold ministry of Jesus. He had a teaching ministry, a preaching ministry, and a healing ministry. But notice Matthew chapter 9. Now I draw your attention to verse number 36. In verse number 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Notice that. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. The compassion of Jesus Christ is our message and our focus today. So we ask ourselves this question. What moved Jesus with compassion? What caused him to move with compassion toward people? Well, I submit to you about five thoughts today. The first one is, what moved Jesus with compassion? The first submission I share with you, write this down if you have a pen or a piece of paper or some way of writing. He was moved with compassion by the suffering of the sick. By the suffering of the sick. Now, in Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 14, we notice what the Bible says. Matthew 14, run over there if you have your Bible open. And you know me, if you're listening, I preach and teach solely from the King James Version. Matthew chapter number 14 and verse number 14. The scripture says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And in verse, well, verse number 14, he healed their sick. Folks, wherever Jesus went, there were sick people. There were sick people just like there are today. Uh, I just left the doctor's office a while ago, as a matter of fact, doing this recording today, where I had a checkup. And I'm glad to have a praise moment today. 
And I want to thank you all for your prayers for David, for Dorinda, and for our son, Brad, in Buffalo. Thank you for those of you that are so steadfast to pray and encourage us with text messages, emails, uh, notes to Will here at the station. Thank you for all those. We appreciate them, and we give God the glory, but we thank you for them. That I had a good checkup. Everything was checked out well, and I'm glad to report that today. But I know that God does that. Now, I've got a part in that through exercise and diet and some other things, but we want to praise God. So there's always been sick people and a need for physicians. And folks, we know, first of all, today that our world is sick spiritually. We are all born with a sinful nature that was handed down to us from Adam in the Garden of Eden. Remember, God took Adam formed him from the du- from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and Adam became a living soul Adam is the father of the human race when god placed adam in the garden and told him to tend the garden he saw that he was lonely so he caused a deep sleep to come on adam and he took a rib from adam that was close to his heart and he created woman and brought her to adam And said, this is good. So God's ideal marriage is a man and a woman married in a bond of marriage eternally till death do we part. So that's God's plan, a man and a woman. But Adam and Eve got into the garden. Satan Satan took on the form of a serpent. And he beguiled or deceived Eve. And God had told Adam, I want you to leave the tree alone that's in the midst of the garden. Leave it alone. The rest of them you can help yourself and eat from them. But the, the one in the midst, leave it alone. For the day thou eatest thereof, he said, thou shalt surely die. Well, Eve took the fruit that was presented to her from Adam and gave it, or rather from Satan, and gave it to Adam. And Adam took that fruit and he ate. Now, the Bible doesn't say what that fruit was. Uh, so it doesn't matter either way, but they disobeyed God. And when they disobeyed God, that was the first sin that was committed, and that sin was brought into the human race. So Adam and Eve and their descendants were born with a sinful nature. Each one of us are born with a sinful nature, born innocent children, but we reach an age of accountability. We begin, because of this sinful nature, to do things that are wrong. We see that in babies. We see that in children eventually. But the point is, Adam sinned. He cursed the human race with a sin nature because of his disobedience to God in the garden. And since Adam is the father of the human race, we are all descendants of him, and we are born with a sinful nature because of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden. That is why now we are sin sick. So we have to be healed spiritually in order to have forgiveness of our sins. That is why God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, born of the virgin, raised up to live a sinless life, to die on the cross of Calvary. For God so loved the world, that's you and I, the people that have lived, the people that are living now, and the people that will live in the future. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him, that's Christ, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So, because we're born with a sinful nature, we owe God a sin debt. And that sin debt has to be paid for, for the person to be forgiven of their sins. 
We're all sinners. So the only way that God provided for that sin payment was through the shed blood and the sacrificial death of his son Jesus on the cross at Mount Calvary. Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree, and he who knew no sin, that was Jesus, sinless, he was the sinless one dying for sinners, us, he who knew no sin became sin for us. That is him being our substitute. God didn't put the church, the preacher, the pope, or a religious figure, or anything else on the cross at Calvary as punishment for the sins of mankind. He put his only begotten son, Jesus, on the cross to bear our sins in his own body on the tree. So God took every sin that you've ever committed or will commit if you live to be 150 years old, And God took those sins and punished his son in your place. So Jesus bore our sins on the tree, a sinless man dying for sinners. And the blood that came from him on Mount Calvary, and you know the way that he was crucified, with the crown of thorns, the plucking of his beard, the piercing, the mockery, the false signs put over him, the king of the Jews, the mockery that he went through, He was doing that to display the love of God to you and I and the world. And Christ bore our sins. He shed his blood in our place. He died. And he was taken and put into a borrowed tomb. And his body was there for three days. And on that third day, he was resurrected. So, folks, this is the month month of March now where we're going to celebrate Easter, March the 31st the resurrection of Christ. God proved to the world that he was satisfied with the payment Jesus made for our sins. And by the proof, he resurrected him from the grave. He brought him back to life. And that is proof to the whole world that lived, that has lived since, that is living now, and that will live, that Christ Jesus has atoned for the sins of the world Nothing else needs to be added to what Christ has sufficiently done on the cross. And now, our sins can be forgiven if we as sinners recognize we're a sinner. We owe God a sin debt that we have nothing to offer Him that He'll receive and accept. And now, we're going to put our faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone to be our personal Savior. And when we do that, God promises by grace to forgive us of our sins and take the righteousness of Jesus that he had and apply it to us when we ask Christ to be our Savior. So if you would like to be forgiven of your sin debt that you owe God, then I want to lead you in a simple prayer of faith right here and right now. From the sincerity of your heart, call upon Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So now you can do that right here in the privacy of your home, in your automobile, or however in front of your computer at your desk. However you may be listening to this broadcast, God will save you right now if you'll call on him. So follow me in this simple prayer of faith. I lead people in a prayer of faith because many times folks don't know what to say. So, from the sincerity of your heart, follow me in this prayer. You're talking to God. You're not talking to me. Follow me in this prayer. I'm giving you the words because that's the vehicle to take your faith and put it in Jesus Christ. Okay? 
Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I am trusting you and you alone to be my personal Savior and take me to heaven when I die. Amen. Now, folks, if you've put your faith in Christ, in John chapter 3, as Nicodemus, you've been born again. That's spiritually you've been made alive now. That's not a religious act. It's salvation. It's biblical salvation. You've trusted Christ to be your Savior. And remember what John said, that Jesus Christ said himself, I am the way, not one of the ways, I am the way. Your faith is to rest solely in Jesus as your Savior. Now listen closely. Not Jesus plus your church membership. Not Jesus plus your catechism. Not Jesus plus faith in Mary. Not Jesus plus faith in the pastor. Not Jesus plus faith in the Pope. Not Jesus plus faith in your lodge membership. Not Jesus plus good charitable benevolent works that you have done, but Jesus only. And when you've done that, you've trusted Christ, you've been born again spiritually now. So the sin penalty has been paid for because God has taken the blood of Jesus and applied it to your life. And you've been forgiven, not because of your goodness, but because of Jesus Christ, his payment for your sins. And his righteousness is now applied to you and you are forgiven. Hallelujah. That's enough. The world needs to hear. That's the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died, was buried, and crucified, and when you put your faith in Him, and Him alone to be your Savior, God saves you. So, go find your pastor and tell your pastor, or find a good Bible-preaching, Bible-believing, soul-winning, Bible-believing church, and attach yourself to it and tell the preacher you've been born again. Now, folks, Jesus is a compassionate Savior. He was moved by the suffering of the sick, the spiritual move. He heals us through faith in him. He's also moved by the emotional and, and, and physical sickness. Jesus heals us. He can heal you if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with other kinds of mental illness. Please see a Christian physician, but go to Jesus because Jesus can heal you through a prayer of faith as well. And Matthew 14, 14 says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. So wherever Jesus went, there were sick people, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And the good news, Jesus can still heal today. Put your faith and trust in him. Now, for us as believers today, New Testament children of God, in the New Testament book of Acts, the New Testament church, James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says for us very clearly, Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him or her, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, faith in God, faith in believing what God said in his word, the Bible, shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Now, God wants you to put this into practice in your church. We have at the Scott Street Baptist Church, where we're interim pastor now in El Dorado, Illinois, we have a bottle of oil. Now, there's nothing medicinal about the oil. There's nothing magical about it. 
Christian, the healing comes from God as a direct obedience to what the Scripture tells you to do. So the healing comes through faith in Jesus. So today, go forward in your church. Ask them to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. So Jesus was moved with compassion. A time is escaping us. I know that. Uh, Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the suffering of the sick. Secondly today, I'm not going to get very much farther, okay? So we'll try to pick this up again soon. Jesus was moved with compassion by a brokenhearted mother. A brokenhearted mother. There are many brokenhearted mothers in the world today. Many of them fill our churches. And Jesus is able to give them just what they need. In Luke chapter number 7, verses 11 through 16, we see what Jesus did in reference to a broken-hearted mother. And if you're a broken-hearted mother today and you're listening to this, God wants you to know He loves you. And listen to this. In Luke 7, verse 11 through 16, And it came to pass the day after He went into a city called Nain, and many of His disciples went with Him, and much people. Now when He came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of His mother, and she was a widow and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, and she that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a great fear on all, And they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went about forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. So, folks, God is there to heal a brokenhearted mother, father. And if you're brokenhearted today, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Ask God to heal you, and he'll heal you. He knows what you're going through. We're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. He knows what we're going through. Now, today, we're at the end of the broadcast. And on behalf of Dorinda and I, we're grateful that you've been tuned in to the Good Tidings radio broadcast. Ask God to move you with compassion as Jesus had toward your family, toward your friends, toward a lost world, and toward those that will come into your life today. Have compassion on people. Let your heart be soft and spirit-filled by the Holy Spirit. And have compassion upon people. We want to be like Jesus. And Romans chapter 8, verse 29 tells us we're being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, like Him. Ask Him to revive compassion in us toward people in the world, because our hearts can get hard and cold. Help God to soften them, soften them like Jesus. So today... On behalf of the Good Tidings Radio Broadcast, I am your radio pastor and Bible teacher, Dr. David Pinkerton, and we're grateful you've listened today. We want you to have a wonderful day. Enjoy the month of March, the month where we'll celebrate the resurrection of Christ, and go out today and have compassion like Jesus did on someone else. Hand them a gospel tract, invite someone to church, pray for someone, and let them see the compassion of Jesus through you. 
May God bless each and every one of us. God bless you all. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Oh, yes. The day is finally here. Emmanuel.